0: Game is never over until the end. Sean Lowe's right side. Whenever that clock starts zero. From DeAndre Hopkins, touchdown Houston. Yeah. Yeah. It's Texans all access. Texans All-Access presented by Dykin, keeping Houstonians comfortable with the latest cooling and heating products designed to save energy and improve indoor air quality inside your home. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer and learn more at DykinlovesHouston.com, D-A-I-K-I-N-lovesHouston.com, Dykin. Here's the show.
1: Happy New Year, everybody! Welcome in to a New Year's Eve edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host this evening on this Tuesday, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And I know you're used to Tuesday hearing Players Show from 6 to 7, All Access from 7 to 8, and Replay from 8 to 9. The only thing that's different is we did a Players Show last night. We did it with Cecil Shorts because we're on a, on a short week. Playing on Saturday, so not able to get a player. So we got a former Texan in Cecil Shorts, and it was a fantastic show. Hopefully, you didn't miss it. Uh, we had the coach's show before that with Coach Bill O'Brien, and we had uh, Cecil the player show, and then we had episode of All Access. Well, the only thing that changes is there'll be no player show tonight. We'll have All Access for you for these two hours, and then we'll have replay. After that, from 8 to 9, and I will host all of that. So I am with you from 6 until 9 on this New Year's Eve. And what better way to finish 2019 than hearing me and my friends talk about the Houston Texans this decade in 2019 to have some guests on the show. We got a little bit of everything for you. Drew, Mark, and Deepy are going to stop by over the next couple of segments, and we're going to talk about the decade that was for the Texans. It was a tremendous 10 years. For the Texans, we'll talk about some of our favorite moments, moments we remember, uh, players of the decade, et cetera, and then we'll talk about this 2019 season. Who? What was the play of the year? What Was the game of the year? Who are the unsung heroes for this team in 2019? We'll do that. Then Drew is going to sit down with Ryan Talbot of NewYorkUpstate.com to cover who covers the Buffalo Bills. So we'll talk a little Buffalo Bills football. In wrestling, yeah, trust me, you'll want to definitely stick around for that. And then, got a little special thing I put together for you. There are 10 Texans wins this year. And at the end of each one, Mark Vandermeer does a perfect job of letting you know what happened over the last three hours that you were listening with his final call. So, we'll have that for you as well. And then, Drew Doherty and I went in the lab to talk about this season, about this game players to watch, and then a couple of Buffalo Bills to also watch in this game as well. So, there is plenty on the plate for you this evening, so let's get it kicked off with some Hot Reads. Hot Reads brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on motorcycle and or car insurance, and we are going to start with the head coach of your Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien, with a little Texans audio jukebox oh baby let's start with the jukebox and let's start with coach bill o'brien talking about the quarterback that the texans will face on saturday and that is josh allen and he said this guy is a really good football player
2: I mean, this guy's thrown for three thousand yards, and he's got five hundred yards rushing. I mean, this guy is a dangerous player. I mean, he, I mean, this guy's thrown for three thousand yards, and he's got five hundred yards rushing. I mean, this guy is a dangerous player. I mean, he's he does a lot of things well. Um, he's a he's a great competitor. Never thinks the play's over. Um, there's the play that's called in the huddle, and then the play that maybe run once the ball snapped because of his ability. You know, he can escape. He can run. He. They have design runs for him. And then obviously he scrambles, so he has the ability to scramble. So it's a, it's, a big, uh, it's a big challenge for us.
1: Now, one of the challenges the Texans are going to have in this ballgame is moving the football against that defense. Very, very good unit on that side. And Coach said, look, it's going to be tough to move the football. Every blade of
2: grass will be earned in this one. You've got to earn every yard you make. You know, you've got to be they're, – they're very disciplined. They're very good at what they do. Um, you have to be disciplined. You've got to do a lot of things that are basic fundamental football. you got to take care of the football. You've got to really just eliminate mistakes. You have to be able to drive the ball. They just do a lot of things well. So you have to be very disciplined, and you've got to really go out there and, and earn everything you get. I mean, they're they're a top-five defense for a reason.
1: Yeah, they've got a lot of players on that side of the ball. I did tell a showing what they're able to do the different schemes they throw at you, different things they can do. They've got pretty much everything you would like in a defense at all three levels. It is going to be very difficult. But the man at the helm for the Texans, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, this guy's a special quarterback. We all know that. And coach said he knew right away that Deshaun was special.
2: I would say for me, that was when I met him. Uh, you know, I think uh, first impressions. You know, at the combine, and then when he came here for his pre-draft visit just the way he carries himself. He got great poise. Uh, he's got an excellent memory. He's got great communication skills. He's able to talk to you about a lot of different things. He's got a big heart, cares about his teammates. He's a winner, cares about winning, do whatever it takes to win. And that came across in the first two meetings. So I'd say it was way before he got here and on the practice field. And, you know, he did some things in rookie minicamp that, you know, were really unbelievable plays. But it was way before that that you knew that you had somebody that – you you know, could be a special player.
1: And Coach really enjoys being around him as most everybody, if not everybody in
2: this building does. He's a really good guy to talk football with because he really sees the game. He really understands the game. He has a great feel for the game and how how the offense is supposed to be run versus whatever we're talking about defensively. I think his memory is excellent. He can remember things that happened his rookie year or when I first met him, things that happened – you know, during his career at Clemson, he, he's got a really good memory of plays, and he knows how to either correct what may have happened or continue to build on what may have happened, and he's got great poise. He's got really good poise. Uh, you know, anybody that's been around him for a long time, he doesn't have any fear. He has no fear, and, and, he, and he goes into every game. He has a lot of fun playing. You see the smile on his face. He loves playing football, and he loves being out there with his teammates.
1: This past Sunday when the Texans played the Titans, one of the things that I tried to reiterate when Mark would throw it down at me to give a – you know, uh, in-game hit and talk about this, was, look, there there were not starters playing all the way throughout, but there were some guys that had played throughout the year, had started throughout the year, that were going to have to play. You only have 46 available and only 43 position players. So guys are going to have to step up. And in certain cases, some guys might get opportunity to do things that maybe they didn't earlier. And a guy that took advantage of, of that on Sunday a little bit was Jordan Akins. He caught five passes, did a really nice job pretty much playing the entire game, catching the ball, making plays happen after he caught the ball. And Coach, talked about the step forward that Ake has taken this year.
2: I think he knows our offense better, and he knows his role better, and he understands, like you just said, he understands NFL defenses. He understands, you know, coverages better than he did. I think he's had a lot of experience. He, he works hard. He tries to get better every day. We got a lot of guys like that, and so I think he's learned, learned a lot from his experience.
1: Yeah, he's done a really nice job, and I thought the other day, he caught it. I thought he ran after the catch very, very well. Uh, and this has been a good year for Ake. He ended. He finished the year with 36 catches, four and 18 yards, and he had those two touchdowns uh, against the uh, L.A. Chargers. Almost called the San Diego Chargers, but the L.A. Chargers earlier. Uh, he's done a really good job this year in his second year, and hopefully he'll continue to progress. But the tight ends accounted for this year. Fells 34 catches, Aikens 36. That's 70 catches. Nine touchdowns, and 759 yards through the air. That's a pretty solid year for the tight end group, kind of splitting the production, but Fells obviously, down the red zone has been hugely important, and Fells didn't play the other day. Ake did, so good job this year by the tight ends, and in particular, Jordan Aikens. Now, a guy that was added to the running back mix in training camp and became a big part of this offense is Duke Johnson. He's a significant part of that offense, and who agrees with me, Bill O'Brien.
2: Duke's done a good job. Duke's a smart guy. Duke's, uh, you know, like you said, good route runner out of the backfield, but a good runner, too, good runner uh, from the backfield. So he's done a lot of good things for us, really smart, you know, was able to come in here and pick up the offense and and uh, help us this year, no doubt about
1: it. Yeah, he's done a really good job in everything he's asked to do. He lines up in different spots. He lines up as a receiver, outside receiver, running back, goes in motion. I mean, he does a lot of different things. Duke Johnson's done a whale of a job. For this team, now he's just one running back that will see the field. Another one is the guy that's on the other sideline, and it feels like Frank Gore has been there forever. Coach, obviously, paying homage to the longtime running back Frank Gore.
2: Frank Gore's one of the best ever to do it. Frank Gore, um, you know, you just said it. I mean the way the way he runs, he runs very hard, gets his pads down, does not avoid contact. Very tough, tough individual says a lot about his durability, says a lot about uh, how he takes care of himself. To be able to do that for this long in this league you know, is, is a testament to, to who he is. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a great player, and uh, him and Singletary back there, that's a hell of a one-two punch.
1: Yeah, it's a good one-two punch, and it's two guys that have just been together for this year, but they've done some good things in the running game uh, for Buffalo. But Frank Gore was a guy coming out of Miami. He was injury prone. He tore his ACL, I don't know how many times. I think a couple times at Miami, one time in high school, and you just never thought he was going to be durable, and yet he turned out to be one of the more durable backs in the history of the NFL. Some amazing stuff there. All right, let's get to our next hot read, and that is going to be today's injury report. Now, there isn't too much to take out of the injury report for today, if I'm being brutally honest, things that we, I think, already knew. Jalila Dai, a little banged up in that game the other day against the Titans. Will Fuller, Jonathan Joseph, Jacob Martin, Bradley Roby, Kenny Stills, Laramie Tunsil, if I remember correctly, Tunsil stills, Robbie Martin. J.J. played for a little while. Fuller, those guys didn't even play. Adai played a little bit in that game against the Titans. But the big news coming out of this is J.J. Watt has been activated to the 53-man roster. J.J. Watt activated to make room for him. A little bit of a frustrating one here because Deshaun Gibson has been very, very good for this team, but he has been dealing with Myriad injuries. I mean, just a handful of injuries. His wrist was taped up pretty heavily. Back had been bothering him. So, Tashawn Gibson, unfortunately, goes to IR. J.J. Watt activated to the 53-man roster. So, that's that's your big news uh, coming out of the Houston Texans injury report. Now, you're not going to see Watt on the report because the report came out before he was, I guess, officially activated. So, he doesn't have to show up and, I guess... I guess at this point he doesn't really have an injury, so he doesn't have to show up. But Deshaun Gibson didn't show up there. He goes to IR, and that'll end his season. And bravo on a great season from Deshaun. I know Deshaun. I think he had to deal with so many different things. He made some key plays in big games. He will definitely be missed. So now, want to keep an eye on is Jalil Adai, limited participant today, dealing with that Achilles because Jalil probably going to have to play. Next to Justin Reed in the back, and those safeties have been banged up all year. Jalil with this, Jason, Justin Reed been dealing with the shoulder for a while, um, and then you've also got Deshaun Gibson going on IR, which is unfortunate because uh, I love having that guy around. He has been a really good uh, influence and player in that back end for the Texans. For the Bills, not much to speak of other than Levi Wallace corner did not participate. If he does not play or can be is limited. That means you're going to see a lot of Kevin Johnson, the former Texan, playing at corner for the Buffalo Bills. All right, that'll do it for the injury report and your hot reads. Brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. So it's time to turn it over to my good friends, Drew, Deepy, Mark, and me. We're going to take a little retrospective look at the past 10 years, the decade, for your Houston Texans next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to the Tuesday edition, a New Year's Eve edition of texans all access i am john harris and i'm along with my team my good friends dp city here mark Vandermeer's here drew doherty is here Hola. gang do not say hello because everybody all talk at the same time but glad you are here and we're coming up on the end of 2019 and we can finally finally put the decade to bed six of nine years the texans have won division First couple of years of that were really, really nice, in 11 and 12, and then obviously what the Texans have done for the last five years. So I figured on New Year's Eve, let's look back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's look back. The 10 years that was, the decade that was, your favorite moment of the decade. Oh, gosh. deepy go.
3: Oh, What's wow. your favorite
1: moment from 2010 to 2019?
3: This is a lot, Johnny. I
1: know it is. It is. What's your favorite moment? Do you have one in particular? Over the decade, Drew's got his.
3: I, you know what? Oh, do you want to go first? Drew, I feel you go like first. Sure, I can my... go. Drew, you go two. first. Well, go ahead.
4: Very easy. It was at Cincinnati, December 2011, and being on the field for the final drive, Texans trailed the entire game, except for the last two seconds. And TJ Yates, somehow, someway, gets the touchdown pass there at the end, and then just kind of being in the tunnel as they run from the field to the locker room, just the elation and seeing how excited they were, because you had all but sewn it up. And they go into the, the locker room, and then they find out that Tennessee loses to the Saints, and it is over. It was just so much fun, because they'd never been to the playoffs. They'd been through so much. So many guys had gotten injured that season. You lost Mario Williams about a month in. Andre Johnson and Arian Foster basically were like a tag team. Yeah, One guy would get hurt, and one guy would be healthy, <laughs> and then they'd, they'd, they'd switch, and... It was just it was an amazing year, and that was that that kind of stood out the most to me. It was a fun, fun time.
0: Were you outside the door when they found out they clinched with the Saints beating Tennessee?
4: I had to set up the live unit that could mm-hmm. broad you know broadcast a live stream of the press conference, which so is the in,
0: size of a seventy eight Buick back in twenty eleven. Back
4: then, mm-hmm. yeah, it was pretty big, and I had to set that up, and luckily it worked. And I was in the I was in the press conference room, which is adjacent to the locker room, and you could hear the absolute roars going on right. next door, and they were they were pretty happy. Mr. McNair was in there with them. Oh, that's great. Uh, it was, it was There's a lot of fun pictures. Because I was upstairs.
0: Day. I was upstairs watching it on a monitor, and I right. actually did the play-by-play. I've told the story of the last play of the Saints-Titans game off the monitor, and I right. just went live. You know, I said Jake Locker goes down, and the Texans win the AFC South. And was,
1: that's how I did it. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. DP, how about it. you? How about you?
3: You know, it's got to be. But I, you know, we had there were a lot of fun moments before I got here. But I'm mm-hmm. going to pick one after I started working for the Texans. So I'm going to go 2017. Um, I was debating between drafting the draft night when Deshaun Watson got drafted, right. but I think I'm going to go week two at Cincinnati. We mm-hmm. were sitting on the bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deshaun Watson gets on the bus. That's first one of my start. Favorites. Uh, wearing a tuxedo and sunglasses, it was his Velvet birthday. Suit. It Velvet suit. <laughs> Velvet. His birthday's on the it's road. Awesome. Bow tie. He, he's got like everyone's hurt in that game, so I, I thought I don't even know who's going to protect him, but I just remember re- fearing for his safety in that game. And he just came out calm as can be. That first win on the road at Cincinnati. That scrambling touchdown. He had that forty-nine yard touchdown. I feel like that moment was my favorite moment because I I feel like collectively Houston just sort of could finally exhale and say, okay, he's definitely the guy that we saw at Clemson, and he's our guy, and l- let's roll. Yeah. I think that was the beginning of the Deshaun Watson era, and that's my favorite.
1: I think one of my favorite things about that particular night, I mean, right, I've told the story about riding over in the bus, and we run a bus, and we go always go on bus two, which a lot of times we get some, the rookies will end up on our bus, and so he gets on a bus about two, three minutes before we go, before we leave, and he's kind of looking for a seat. And they're like, hey, Deshaun right here. And he literally is right behind the bus driver. And so he's about five rows up, and he's just got his headphones on. And he's just kind of staring, like, just staring straight ahead. And every now and again, you kind of see his head he kind was of to the, the music. music a little bit. I
3: was so nervous for him, Johnny. And he, and he had
1: seemed... no nerves. Yeah, not at all. None whatsoever. And the other thing I remember about that was when he takes off on that run, It's third and 15, two plays before that, Geno Atkins had hit him so hard. I thought he was going to send his heart through his back. I mean, I was like, how did he get up after that? It's amazing the turf was not dented. It was amazing. And then as he makes that run, he straight arms Atkins Mm -hmm. off of him and then another guy. And the other thing I remember about that run, too, was I just remember when he gets in the end zone, I don't think Mark meant it as sort of like there was shock. There was shock in his voice like, I just called a play in which the Texans quarterback <laughs> went nearly 50 <laughs> yards for a touchdown, yeah. which had never happened before. Yeah. And so it was almost like there was this shock in your voice,
0: like touchdown Texans. Yeah. Like, it was really kind of interesting. Well, because it back. looked like he was going to go out of bounds yeah. at one point on the right sideline. Then he's like, ah, I think I'll go to the end zone now. Yeah. And and just it happened so quickly. That it just took me by surprise. But yep. he, early on, I think would take a lot of people by surprise. The next week, what he did at New England with yep. some of the playmaking ability, and then obviously he had the blowout win over Tennessee. I had the game at Seattle. He had a lot of great moments until he went out that year it's funny how Cincinnati comes into play I mean we're talking about the decade here right yeah. the nine, last decade. nine
4: of the ten best moments could involve this the is Bengals. true yeah, absolutely it's
0: true because the uh, AFC South clincher in 2016 yep. uh one of my favorite games the Monday nighter in 2015 which was phenomenal and John Harris captured on on film mm-hmm. as he uh celebrates DeAndre Hopkins catching the ball from T.J. Yates
4: both playoff wins in 11 and 12 I mean no. but
0: it, that's incredible really how much the Bengals have. it's like I don't want to call them the Washington generals of the Houston Texans but they do come into play for these big moments for the Texans, and that's amazing. I think my favorite look the, the playoff clincher in twenty eleven has yeah. got to be that that's the number. It's one almost like time. you have to
1: put that up on the shelf. Yeah, like, oh, that would be the one for all four of us. You know,
0: and you know it's funny because here we are in playoff week with the Bills coming up on Saturday, and the very first playoff game in Texans history was against the Bengals, obviously. And that was the perfect day. You know, you had the Watt pick six in the second half. You had a big Aryan run. You had Andre Johnson catching a touchdown in the postseason. And I said, welcome to the playoffs. I mean, here he is in 2011 after being drafted in 2003, and he finally gets in. He scores, and he was banged up a lot that year. He didn't play in that Cincinnati game up there yeah. to clinch the division where yeah. Yates threw for 300 yards. So there was a lot going on that day. But how special was that day? And I think that you lose sometimes when you've been to that divisional round so, or the uh, wild card round so much. You you lose that excitement. I'm not saying the fans are, but I'm saying that we all got to appreciate being here. And uh, and I know we do, but I just like to remind everybody we got to appreciate being here in the postseason because it's so special, and it was so special that day, and we all know what happened the next week in Baltimore. But, Johnny, like my favorite moment other than that one was the win at Indy for the first time. And we talked yeah. about that recently, yeah. uh, playing the Colts. But that one, I'll never forget the emotion, the feeling after beating the Colts for the first time up there in 2015,
1: you know it's interesting. My my first year down at sideline was 2014, and I became a full time employee at the end of that year. So in 2015, so we had gone to the combine in Indianapolis that year, and I'll never forget. We were driving away from the airport, <laughs> and I always I always quote Drew on this, and Drew turned around at some point. We had like maybe six of us, seven of us, in some van going to the airport, and Drew's like, "I've made this." damn trip to the airport i don't know how many times and we've always made it unhappy he goes i just once want to go to the airport (laughs) Uh (laughs) happy and then i flicked my cigarette out the window (laughs) and you said it with such disdain though but it was true i mean you wanted to finally go to the airport and it was funny because that that year i started i think it was that year where i started talking to we have a group of of partners sponsors that that come with us sweet holders that come with us and and uh on away trips and so they want me to go talk to right. this group and so that that w- i think was the first time i went in there and i told that story about drew and i closed it with i really hope that we can make drew's wish come true basically and so we were getting back on the we're getting back on the bus and they were all looking at me like you should have wished,
3: like, wished for even more things drew. there
1: yes. there it is yeah, they never said anything to me man. by the way i had yeah. the
0: same wish just to let you know we yeah. we a lot of us had that wish He's not it's that just, special. He, he verbalized it. <laughs> uh, he
1: verbalized it. It was just. It was well said. And, you know, he's our guy. So Look, we, I remember walking out of that.
0: Tennessee so many times unhappy, you know, and, and yeah. this year, and, and it's been a lot lately until this year, you got that huge win, obviously a huge win, yeah. to be able to get a leg up in the division and, and propel you to an AFC South championship. Yeah, you hate going on the road and, and flying back unhappy.
4: This is a very – far offshoot but mm-hmm. decade wise how about the two Tennessee wins here this this decade mm. one came in 11 one came you know a few days ago they're both in week 17 and they came with a combination of quarterbacks that were TJ Yates, Jake DeLome, and AJ McCarron <laughs> and you saw guys like Garrett Graham play outside linebacker <laughs> yeah. Garrett Graham was not an outside linebacker yeah. so basically they saw they the only times they won here were when you were resting most yes. of Is that important it? important Those are the only wins the only they've only gotten two yes. times this decade. Yeah, only two times. You yep. know, in
0: 2013 in that meltdown season, we all remember the Texans won it overtime. In week two, yeah, uh, DeAndre Hopkins catching the game winner, and, and there was a pick six in that game, but they overcame it. To Drew's point,
1: that was that was going to be mine. Uh, Monday night last year, after Mister McNair died, that. It was obviously not a not like a you know not our carnival cruise fun moment, right, but we had gotten that news on Friday that he had passed, and we knew we had to play that game Monday and It just so happened that it was against that team and really, the reason the Texans exist is because that team decided to leave here and open up an opportunity that mr McNair uh, and his wife Janice jumped in and said we 're going to do something for the city of Houston. And we're going to create a team here. And it was that Monday night. And there's a shot in our boardroom during the moment of silence at the beginning of the game. And it's taken at such an angle where Deshaun is kind of on the left part of the picture. And there's a spotlight coming down on the RCM logo on the field. Right, And Deshaun is kind of standing there with his head bowed. And the spotlight's on the RCM logo. And you can just see kind of the crowd and other people in the background. And it's it's one of my favorite pictures of all time. And then we get in the game and bada bing, bada bang, they're up ten nothing. And I'm like, what just happened? Yeah, this what just stand. happened. And Taylor Luan is over on our sideline, like taunting our fans, and I'm mm-hmm. like, he's just doing this Taylor Luan thing. Then we get the fourth and one stop, mm-hmm. and Lamar goes ninety seven. And at the end of it, you were like, That one's for that one's for Bob and it was like I didn't hear it at the time because I was running down the field to get to yeah, the other yeah, side. Yeah. So I didn't hear it at the time, and I heard it the next day putting together replay. And I had to stop myself, like, "Whoa, that was that was wild." But in the locker room that night, you know, Demaryius Thomas was in there, and it was there was such excitement. But yet, everybody, to a man, was like, "That's what Mister McNair would have wanted." Yeah, you know, that that's what he would have wanted. It to was be perfect. that team on Monday night the way that they did. Was, was just incredible. It was, it was incredible.
0: It, That was the perfect way to celebrate his life. You know, under yeah. all – everything we went through in the days prior and the team, obviously the family. I mean, let's just be honest about that. And then to have that night was the perfect celebration. Yeah. I mean, so, it was
1: really cool. It was very cool. All right. We took a little look back at the decade. Let's take a look back at this season. We'll have Texans replay later where I break down the ultimate 11 plays of the year. But what does my gang think the player of the year is, the play of the year is, the Mm. moment of the year, Mm. the unsung hero of this team is? We'll do that next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a New Year's Eve edition of Texans All Access. Happy New Year's Eve and best of luck with your 2020 New Year's resolutions. Mine is to spend January in Mobile, February in Miami, March in Indianapolis, and then (laughs) April right here in Houston, uh, because that all has to do with the Senior Bowl, the Super Bowl, the Combine, and the Draft. So there you go. Welcome back to the show. John Harris along with my crew, Drew, Deepy, and Mark. And we spent the last segment talking about the moments of the decade, the ones that we're going to remember. And of course, there are so many of them that I'm sure we overlooked them, but... The 2019 season continues, but the regular season's in the books and figured, why not take a look back? Tonight, after this show, You hear we Texans Replay, where I break down the ultimate 11 plays of the year, both offense and defense. So I got basically an ultimate 22. But I wanted to start there, and I'll start with spin the wheel. Mark Vandermeer, I'm going to start with you. To you, mm-hmm. the 2019
0: play of the year is. Well, if I'm gonna go first, I'm gonna steal it. Go and for it. And that is kick in the eye. <laughs> Raider kick. Ooh, Raider kick in favorite. eye. The Raider kick in it's the such eye. such a great play. And it kind of it symbolizes this year. You know, you've taken some hits, you've taken some losses, but not too many, luckily. Only six. And then you get that kind of play where Watson takes that huge kick. And a lot of guys would have gone down, and they would have been out for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, they might have been out for a week or two, or whatever it might have been. Yeah, or at least you know, play would have stopped, or whatever. Watson instead adjusts his helmet, and adjusts his eye, adjusts his eye, <laughs> steps out to the right, and finds Fells for a touchdown. Because that's who he is, yeah. and I can't wait for the postseason. Because is there one like that coming? Is there a moment yeah. like that? This is where the the legends are really made. Yeah, but I think that's got to be the play of the year for me. And there are others, you know. If the if you had won that Saints game, the pass to Kenny Stills.
1: Oh, I, there's which, no question. Which I still that two think,
0: play sequence that that two play thirteen second drive, which I still think, Johnny, that that drive, even though they lost that game, you know, there's never a moral victory, but mm-hmm. there's a we can do that. Yeah, we yeah. can do that if we need to. Right. I mean, Not to say it's going to happen every time, but we've done it, so therefore if we need it again, maybe it can happen again. That kind of thing gives you some confidence on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Drew, you got one? Play of the year in your mind?
4: I got a few. Uh, the one that kind of jumps out the most, though, is on fourth down, needing it late to kind of – Mm. ice the clock in Kansas City. Oh, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites, one. man. Watson to Hopkins, you went to your two best players, and they, they get it done, and it's something we had not seen mm. on the road against really great teams in the past. Um, there was kind of a, well, let's just hand it off, and it'll run into the line for no gain or whatever. Right. Texans rolled the dice and went for it there, and they had rolled the dice against the Falcons earlier in the season and gotten the the big fourth down conversion to Will Fuller for a touchdown. Right. So that one, that was really – that one felt good because that's a hell of a Chiefs team, and you yeah, might wind good. up seeing them again here soon. And uh, you came out of there with a win, and that was a big, big win.
1: What I remember about that, I was at the two-minute warning, mm-hmm. and we've we've all done the math on this that you get to the two-minute warning, and there are no timeouts left. You get a first down, game's over. Just take right. it, and you're done. And they actually, at the two-minute warning, had run Kaimi Fairbairn out there. And Mark, Andre, and I were talking about it. I was standing back by the goalpost. And so I see Fairbairn go out on the field. And I was just like, all right, they're going for a field goal. And we talked about that. i like, well, you know, it puts you up 10. It's two scores. But you're going to give the ball back to Mahomes. And
4: you just you just never know. And Kaimi was shaky at that point yeah. in the season. He was, he was Very struggling. much so.
1: Yeah. Very much so. And so then you see fuller hopkins and watson come out on the field and i was just seeing the three of them i was like we're gonna get this i ran back around to the side to be able to you know kind of be in line with where where they were running the play and then ran just a beautiful play they brought more guys that we could block and deshaun held it just long enough and hop got right to the open spot just the right time it makes i mean it was such a that was such a big win i mean that was kind of like hey The Chiefs are good, but we're pretty darn good, too. We're really, really good. So, yeah, that would definitely sit out. DP, you got one?
3: I've got one. It's from New England. It's a Hopkins touchdown, but not the one that he caught. It's the one that he threw it. Oh, yeah, the flea flicker. His flea flicker touchdown to Deshaun Watson. What a cool play, and I love that it was on Sunday Night Football. I love that it came against the New England Patriots because a win against that team Mm. was probably one of the highlights of the year, I think, for us. Uh, right. who have seen these two teams battle it out with each other in primetime television, come, come up short mm-hmm. so many times. But I, I think that was my favorite. My favorite play was probably my favorite win, too. The one at yeah. KC, obviously, that was a lot of fun, too. Yeah,
4: though. those those two wins.
3: But to do it at home in front of our fans on primetime. To beat it just, that team. To beat that team.
4: Primetime. Yeah. My second choice was going to be the Stills touchdown in that game because oh, yeah. Fuller, mm. I, thought, oh, I yeah. thought the play before that was a touchdown, right. too, and then they went right back to it and they got Stills. That was... Awesome to see. That, that was, was that was around. a really good one. Uh,
1: you know, we didn't. Nobody picked the defensive play. Or the, a special teams. Play. I thought we
3: were going to go offense and defense. Okay, well, give me your gonna, defensive play. Well, well, my defensive is week two, Justin Reed, yeah. the two point conversion. Yeah,
1: that's that's. Because I be. think that
3: changed. It might have changed the trajectory of a lot of things for this team right. had they not gotten that stop. Yeah. Um. I think it changed the trajectory for Jacksonville, who really found themselves struggling after that game. The whole mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey. You saw the beginning of the end of that. Yep. Of yeah, that relationship with the team, and it seems like every time Jacksonville has a bad loss to the Texans, something of that. Sort happens. We saw it against London. That was yeah, the end London, of. Yeah. And then they fall apart. And they,
4: their team falls apart
3: after. Every time we've <laughs> defeated the Jacksonville, it's it's been crippling to them. We've
1: been afterwards. the jenga. We've been the jenga peg. We pulled up exactly. the jenga peg. That's a great <laughs> way to put it.
3: That's a great way to put it. But uh, to see him make that stop, and then you know you've come off such a close, uh, almost an almost win in week one. Which Johnny and I were talking about this. If Will let's doesn't make that field goal, what happens we in week win. two?
1: I think it would have been really tough to come back here and beat Jacksonville because, as Spencer says, how do you run with a full cup of success? I think it would have been – I mean, it would have been tough. It would have been tough. I think Jacksonville – I don't know. Maybe the football gods worked in the right way. Makes me feel a little bit better if that's the case. You (laughs) needed a division win over a non-division win. But just to get that win on Monday night would have been so special. It would have been so – I mean, I just remember being – in the Superdome, the locker room is literally right off the field. You go right in the little tunnel and it's just to your right. And I just remember standing out there soaked, drenched, just exhausted. And I was standing, I just was trying to catch my breath, everything that happened. And I remember uh, Hannah McNair and Janice McNair were sitting there in the chairs. And I just was kind of doubled over, just like, oh my gosh. And I felt this hand on my shoulder. And I was like, I turned around, and it was Mrs. McNair, and she's like, we played so well tonight. I mean, she was right. We did. Oh. We played so well. Like That's she, she was for me. And then Whitney came out. <laughs> Whitney came out as our player of the game because in that game he had the interception to start mm-hmm. the game. And his first, yeah, his, his first, first of his career, of his career. Had a sack too. And yeah, he had a sack. He had a big game. And so he was the guy I talked to. And he comes out and, and of course, you know he just walks right over to to both uh Hannah and Janice and they just hugged him and he was like oh, we're so close and you know they had other moments where they
0: got over that but it was just that game i just remember that moment in particular mark your defensive play well i think it's an unsung play and it's jacob martin getting the arm of patrick mahomes Ooh. in the fourth Ooh. quarter of the mm. chiefs game a very subtle play yeah but it forced an incompletion And if Mahomes completes that ball, look, I don't know where that ball was going, Right. but it's Patrick Mahomes throwing a football, and if he throws it uninhibited, maybe it's a completion and it's big-time trouble for the Houston Texans, and it starts the run for the Chiefs because they're so dangerous. So I love that play, and I also love the stand they had as a team against the Chargers. There's not one play that sticks out to me, and I know the Chargers didn't have the kind of season that they wanted, but this is week three. Right. And you were going out there. It was L.A. You just beat Jacksonville in that close, low-scoring game. You had to do something big on the road. You're facing a good quarterback, and you got the better of him at the end of the game. And that game didn't start out as well as you wanted. No, you had a, the early turnover. You the Kansas City game. Yeah, so oh you had God. a bunch of adversity you had to overcome. Some of it self-inflicted, and they did. And I think the defense stood up in that game pretty well for itself.
1: Drew, defensive
4: play. Pretty easy for me. Uh he jokingly, talking about Vandermeer, referred to the, the, the second Colts game as the AFC South title game. Yeah. And then a few weeks later in Tennessee, that was the AFC South title game. Again. Yeah. So, Brennan Scarlett bringing uh, Brissett down just shy of the, the first down marker. Mm. On fourth down, Ooh, that's that one. Was that's a that was But yeah. I, I got to go with, that's my secondary, I got to go with Whitney's interception because yeah. Tennessee was going in to score. And mm. it might have been one of those runaway games had the pick – not happen without Justin Reed popping it loose. Mm-hmm. And then Whitney picking it up and rumbling 80-some yards up the right sideline. It it, you score a couple plays later and just change the complexion of that game and you wind up winning. And that was a game everyone, at least in Tennessee, was was thinking, ah, this is Tennessee's game. We're about yeah, to run away with the right. division.
3: They were red hot before the Texans yep. came in there. And I remember afterwards yeah. I was looking at some of the press conferences. Mike Rabel even said that that was a play that just really – Took the, It shifted the momentum mm-hmm. uh, on on both sides of the ball from, from Tennessee. Yeah. It was it was because he said even if you'd held the Texans to a field goal, that would have been better than what had happened. So
0: It reversed the it rotation of the earth. I mean, it completely changed everything. And it was a big play. This is a good team. Tennessee's a good squad, and they're going to go to New England. We'll see what they do. We'll see how they do. I think – a lot of the national media is over-inflating what they did here this weekend. I mean, yeah. the Texans weren't playing no, guys no. and sat, what, 16 of 22 position starters or whatever the number is, and they look good. Tennessee did in the second half. Yeah, Don't give them a bigger power ranking than the team that knocked them off a few weeks ago when everything in was their on the building. line. In their building. In their building. With the starters playing and everybody at their best, or so to speak. So here we go. Let's just see how it plays out from here.
1: Well, I can't give my plays of the year because I've got Texans replay where I'm okay. both offensive and defensive. But all of your plays, minus yours, mm-hmm. I did not have that play. But that's a great I – had, I had a play actually prior to that that gets in the ultimate 11 made by DJ Reader. Because in that game, there, was, there were two tackles for a loss. Two.
0: And the Chiefs and game.
1: the Chiefs had one on mm-hmm. Carlos Hyde on that third down play before the clincher on fourth down. Yeah, that was the only tackle for a loss they had all day. And the Texans, I think Texans had two, and they had them on back to back plays. And Raider had both. That gets in the ultimate eleven for me. But nice. Uh, you guys did mention those that were in the ultimate eleven. Okay. Defensive player of the year for the Texans in 2019 is Drew. Oh, Zach Cunningham for me. Zach yeah. Cunningham.
4: He's all over the place. I mean, just – he made so many tackles, but he actually made stops, yeah. too. I mean, he he yeah. wasn't just getting a guy nine downs, nine yards down the field. He was getting guys for a yard or two and yep. making things really, really tough on opposing offenses and doing it against the run, mm-hmm. against the pass. I mean, he was, he was all over the place, really had a breakout campaign after having two really, really solid years, three year, solid years before that.
0: Yeah. Good point.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I think Zach's – anybody disagree with Zach? I would put in my honorable mention category, I would put DJ Reader. I think DJ has been absolutely phenomenal this year. I think he has been incredibly consistent. I think his pass rush game went to a different level this year. I mean, the sacks don't prove it, but just the push he was able to get in the middle that forced quarterbacks off the spot, that forced them out to the right or left or whatever the case might be, I think he has matured into one of the best interior defensive linemen in this league. And I think it's unfortunate because the Pro Bowl – doesn't really recognize that. It's I think it more, takes a
0: while. Once, but once he gets in there, Johnny? Yeah, once
1: he gets in there, he'll be a guy for a while. But yeah. they, but if you look at the guys that got in, they're more kind of pass rushing types. They got yeah. in kind of because of what they do um, as pass rushers, not so much the full complement of skills. And I think DJ has shown this year a full complement of skills. I don't think there's any any question in that.
0: Well, how about another one? and, And I agree. If I had to name one, it would be Zach, but Justin Reed, I think, deserves some consideration here. Some of the big plays he's made this season. You mentioned the one at Tennessee, which could have really turned around this whole divisional championship. You will never know how it would have played out if the Titans score on that drive, and numerous other plays. He's always in the mix. It seems. You know, I really like what he did in the defensive backfield. I I think he deserves some consideration and. Look, he's wearing the red jersey out there a lot in practice. You know, He's on the injury report. He's come out of the game a few times and got right back in or maybe shake it up but stays in the game. So who knows what he's dealing with? But i got to think that if he were 100% or as close to it as possible healthy, it would be even better for him. So I'm so eager to see what he does in the future, but it was a really nice year, too, for Justin Reed. DP, who would you add on to that?
3: I mean, I think maybe an honorable, honorable mention. Can we go Angela Blackson blocking – Field goals and back-to-back games huge. where the Texans won by three points. Yeah, So it's not back-to-back even like weeks on the road. back-to-back weeks on the road. Such close, close games that, you know, you make those field goals, it's a completely different ballgame. Yeah,
4: offensive player of the year. Oh, also, also, you could also throw Watt in there. 20 quarterback hits and what seven it yeah, games. It's still and a pretty, it's still an attractive number. I
1: mean, Whitney got two interceptions this year to go along with what seven and a half sacks. Yep. yep. Um, you know, B Mac has been really good. I mean, Bradley Roby missed four or five weeks, but man, where are you? Where are you without Bradley Roby? And Whitney's like Mr.
0: January, just wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: hopefully. Mm-hmm. All right, offensive player of the year, DP, who are you rolling with?
3: Oh, gosh, how do you not? Pick Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I don't on. know how you don't pick him. I mean, I just think that everything that he's done, every, all the progress he's made from last year to this year, the 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 kick in the eye against. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> kick in the eye play. That's what it, it, mm-hmm. When a play has its own nickname, yes. you know it's a great play. Yeah. But just seeing him and his command of the offense, and I think that it, what he's able to do, it just sort of filters down to the rest of the players. I've heard the, the, the skill set players say that, the skill position players say that, you know, that calmness that he has, it sort of translates on the sideline as well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if they're down. It doesn't matter what the score is. Right. But Deshaun's calm, and you know that you always have a chance when he's out there playing. And I yeah. think the fact that he's been able to stay healthy, all year has been phenomenal. But, you know, I, I have a I have a secondary one, but Go ahead. Uh, I would say Laramie Tunsil. I
1: was oh, going to say a, LT as yeah. well. That's a good one. Because I, was say I LT. think the
3: fact that he's healthy is because you brought in a guy like LT. Mm-hmm. So yep. I put those two like 1A and 1B right One there. of the
0: metric sites said that the Texans were fourth in the league in pass protection or something like that. Yeah, I think
1: there? the addition of Laramie has been been absolutely fantastic. I mean, obviously, Hops had a tremendous year. Carlos Hyde over a thousand yards rushing. I mean, how do you argue with what Darren Fells did? I mean, offensively, there have been guys. And look, when Will Fuller's on the field, oh, yeah. if you want to talk about most valuable. When he's on the field, you could argue that he's the most valuable
0: player on the field. However, I will throw in another one, and that is DeAndre Hopkins, because this is a player who he had some games this year where he's like averaging six yards a catch. Yeah, Kansas but- City. Kansas City was that. It was big, though. We mentioned the fourth down play. There were numerous others where he comes up with the big sticks moving plays for you. And he's not just a receiver who can score touchdowns and, you know, play the glam position in the National Football League of receiver. He plays like a tight end when you need him to. He plays like a running back when you need him to. He'll play it any way, any style you need it. He can do it. He really – and, you know, I love the basketball analogy of he'll get you the big basket in the fourth quarter. He does that stuff for you, and he has outstanding chemistry with Deshaun Watson – they were friends in a previous life, as the H-E-B commercial says, it and spoke Latin out. to each other or whatever that was. So I just think there's great chemistry there. Also, True.
3: he's so healthy. Like yeah. When yeah. you see the other wide receivers, what they've battled all year, it just gives you an even greater appreciation for DeAndre Hopkins being able to stay on the field and having the longevity of his career that he's had. I don't know what he's doing, but I just hope he keeps doing it.
4: Since the three of you have named six players Everybody. on offense, Sorry, uh, <laughs> I will go with... <laughs> The rookies, Max Sharping, Titus yeah, Howard. That's very good. Those are good. You've Great. you've overhauled your offensive line versus what you had here a year ago. You had three new starters, and look at how they just raised the tide for everybody else up front. Now Nick Martin looks better. Jack Fulton looks better. So I'll go with those two guys. Can't I wait look to better. see You look better. I look better. <laughs> Can't wait to see what a full season of Titus yeah. Howard, Max Sharping, Larry Tunsil, and those guys looks like next year. Okay, you
1: got 15 seconds each. Your unsung hero Easy. of the 2019 season. All right, we'll start with you, tough guy.
4: Darren Fells.
1: Very good.
0: Seven touchdown catches. Signed him in the offseason. What are we going to do with this? This guy's a good blocker or whatever, and he becomes this outstanding yeah. tight end who they gave a healthy scratch to in the final game yeah. this past weekend. Darren Fells. Darren Fells.
4: Drew? Punter, Brian Anger.
0: Mm. More than half
4: of his mm. punts gone inside the 20. He's helped spearhead the coverage unit on punts that you, you've made all, opposing offenses start. Deep in their own territory, he's been great at that. And, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. DP?
3: Nick Martin. I think Excellent. a lot of people have talked about Nick Martin's play over the course of the year. He's quietly been getting it done, but the fact that uh, the offensive line's coming together. And he reads the, the, the calls that he's making at the line. Um, I've heard from several former Texans who are offensive linemen. They're really impressed with what he's able to do. And I don't think we pay enough attention to what he's doing out there because yeah. there's so many other players to be watching.
1: I'm going to say Kenny Stills. Got Good him one. in the first week, uh, traded for him with Laramie Tunsil. The quote-unquote throw-in. Throw-in. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, how many times did he come up big? Two touchdowns in Tennessee, the one at the end of the New Orleans game. I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. So, nice job, guys. Really appreciate Thank it. Thanks, Johnny. Excellent job. All right, coming up next, Ryan Talbot of NYUUpstate.com is going to join us with Drew. Talked a little bit about the Bills and a little bit about WWE. Yeah, we'll put them together next on Texas All Access. Happy New Year's Eve everybody. Welcome back to a Tuesday edition of Texans All Access as we get ready to celebrate the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020. Appreciate you being here. I am your host John Harris football analyst and sideline reporter and the Buffalo Bills are coming in on Saturday. So yes it is New Year's Eve but the Bills coming in on Saturday for a playoff game. We've got to get ready for that so we got to learn a little bit more about the Buffalo Bills. What's kind of cool is I've, over the years, uh, struck up a friendship with my buddy Sal Capache, who's the sideline reporter for the Buffalo Bills. We get a chance to see each other at the Combine, sometimes at the Senior Bowl, and just a great guy. I mean, we spent so much time together at the Combine, kind of getting to know one another, and we've stayed in contact ever since, and it we, we didn't want this to happen. We did not want to meet in the playoffs, but it's got to happen. It's got to happen, so... Sal's a great guy. Well, Drew Doherty also has made a connection with a guy by the name of Ryan Talbot from NYUUpstate.com. It's part of the Syracuse Syracuse Post Standard, and Ryan's a really interesting guy and obviously knows the Bills inside out, but he also knows the wrestling game. So you know what? Drew Doherty had a chance to talk Bills and compare the Bills to some, well, some former WWE professional wrestlers. This is fun stuff. Here's Drew Doherty with Ryan Talbot of NYUupstate.com.
4: Okay, friends, a lot of times on Twitter you become friends with somebody on Twitter, but you don't really know them. And this is the case here in in this interview we're doing with Ryan Talbot because Ryan, who's on the line with me now, most of the time I'm I'm kind of giggling at some of your wrestling tweets and gifts that you put out there and it's good to finally talk some football with you like human beings. One-on-one over the phone. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, yeah.
5: <laughs> big, big with the wrestling gifs and all that. And uh, But really excited about this matchup this weekend. Really excited to head to Houston to see this game. So I think it's going to be a great matchup.
4: Yeah, all right. We've already got a, a rivalry going because you just said gif, and I'm a gif guy. So um, <laughs> I don't know. So you've been covering this Bills squad for quite a while, and the strength of this team from the outside looking in appears to be defense. It's the nastiest defense I think the Texans have faced the last few years. We saw them bludgeon Deshaun Watson to the tune of seven sacks, 12 quarterback hits, and he wound up having to take a bus to Jacksonville the next week because he couldn't fly because his his lungs had 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 some problems because of of all the hits he took from that that Buffalo D. Is that a correct assessment? Is the strength of this team their defense?
5: Oh, 100% the strength is the defense, and and it's uh, kind of funny, because in that game, the Bills were really successful at getting after Watson. And obviously, uh, Houston upgraded their line this offseason, and it's a it's a different line. But e- even last year, you know, sacking the quarterback wasn't necessarily Buffalo's strength, but in that matchup, it, it was. They really got after him a lot, like you said, the seven sacks. Uh, I think the Bills can still do damage in that regard this year, but really their big thing is they get these uh, opposing offenses in third and in long situations, Mm -hmm. whether it's the tackles for losses, uh, you know, Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson have been really good in that regard this season. They they get them in these matches. They just simply get you off the field. It's not so much the turnovers. It's not so much the sacks, but it's going to be interesting to watch because the Bills have Jerry Hughes and they have Shaq Lawson, as I already mentioned, Lawson, uh, is having a career year and a contract year. Uh, Trent Murphy, not necessarily a guy who has lived up to the contract, but coming off the 2 sack performance against the Jets in an otherwise meaningless game. But then you also have those guys on the inside, the Jordan Phillips, uh, the, the Ed Oliver, obviously.
4: Yeah, we know about him, man. Yeah.
5: Here in that second half. So that's going to be really interesting. Uh, but it's also going to come down to that secondary play. And obviously the key matchup there will be uh, Trey White versus uh, Hopkins.
4: Yeah you think he's going to stick with him Because sometimes in the past, we've seen opposing defenses put their best corner, and I'm talking about the, the Patriots here, put their best corner on Will Fuller or Kenny Stills, and then essentially double up uh, Hopkins, and, and they, they would take that away. But that didn't work for the Patriots this year. Obviously a much different defense than, than what the Bills have. But I'm guessing you think Trey White stays with Hopkins the, the entire way?
5: I I do. He shadowed him a little bit last year, and it it was a tough matchup. He fared pretty well if you look at the the Mm -hmm. stat sheet in terms of uh, the amount of yards that Hopkins had. Hopkins had one outstanding touchdown catch in that game. Uh, White was flagged a few times for defensive holding, so it it was definitely a physical battle. Uh, I, I just think that the Bills would probably feel better with that. Now, now that being said, they lose Levi Wallace in, in Week 17. He's listed his day-to-day, but I would be pretty surprised if he did suit up. Mm-hmm. And, and now you have a former Texans first-round pick, uh, Kevin Johnson, who's probably going to be starting across from White. So, so maybe they try that at some point where they double up on Hopkins uh, and, and they let Trey White go on the other side. But I, I'm anticipating more of a – uh, Hopkins versus White matchup. I, I think the Bills want their best guy on the Texans' best guy.
4: You bring up Kevin Johnson. He's a really interesting player. Healthy as a rookie. And then after that, he just couldn't stay on the field. But the talent has always been there. He hits you know, with a fearlessness that is pretty commendable for someone of his sta- size and stature. And I mean, I don't know how much you get to interact with him, but he's one of my favorite players to have just chit-chatted with in the locker room over the years. He's a really funny, funny guy. But now you mentioned he's probably put into... A more prominent role this week, probably playing a little bit more. Had he, it seemed like that was a pretty nice niche for him. What he was doing, what it, what was called upon him to be done so far this season. Do you see that changing pretty much because of the health? You're you're saying?
5: Yeah, I, I do. And, and you know, I will say I was blown away with him this summer. I, I was watching him a lot at training camp, and, and I came away really impressed in it. One point, I was actually anticipating that he would be the starting cornerback across mm-hmm. from Trey White. And it's not that he didn't see a fair amount of snaps. The Bills did give him a lot of reps, um, you know, spelling Levi Wallace and things like that. But they really did stick with the young guy out of Alabama there for most of the season. Wallace had his up and down, so he yeah, had some more opportunities uh, as the season went on, obviously. But, yeah, I, I think that Johnson's going to do okay. I, again, it's going to come down to what, what they want him to do. Are they going to double him up on Hopkins? Are they going to pull him across from someone else? Are we going to see... Uh, you, you know, Will Fuller, is he going to be on the field? Is he going to be 100%? There's, there's a lot of matchup problems that I think the Texans could uh, use against the Bills that they could benefit from, especially after the Bills lost Wallace uh, last week. So it's going to be really interesting. But yeah, Kevin Johnson is, is a guy that I think can step in. It was kind of a 2A, 2B situation in terms of that second cornerback spot for the Bills. So it, I don't think there's going to be much of a drop off, but mm-hmm. I'm intrigued to see him over the course of the entire game.
4: How much of an advantage he has knowing and practicing against these guys, and practice and then vice versa. How much of an advantage these these Texans receivers have going against him. It it is kind of one of those little oddities that that's going to be fun to keep an eye on, fun to fun to monitor throughout. You know, you brought up Ed Oliver a few minutes ago. We all know about him because of what he was doing down the street at U of H. <laughs> How bright is the future for him? Because I remember on draft night thinking, golly, he's going to the Bills. They've got that salty, salty defense, and he's just – it's like you're adding a strength to a strength. It looks like he's going to really blossom into something ferocious down the line and if, if he's not there already.
5: Yeah, he's definitely getting there. He really came on the second half of the season – Uh, A few, you know, multi-sack game on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. He's had some big sacks there. Uh, Some quality tackles for loss in recent weeks. Had one in Week 17 when he was on the field. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily a wake-up call, but there was one point in the season where the Bills kind of uh, inserted Jordan Phillips as the starter, and they kind of, and and Oliver saw his reps go down. And he really responded well to that. And you don't know necessarily how a first-round pick will respond, but he was really receptive to it. Uh, he realized that he could learn from those guys. He can learn from Jordan Phillips, who's also having a great season out right, in his own regard. Uh, but once that happened, something kind of like uh, came on, the light bulb came on, so to speak, and he that's when he really started to flourish in this defense. So I, I'm interested to see how he's used, uh, if he can get after uh, Watson, if he can help them stop the run, because that's one thing I know. The Bills are a little over 100 yards per game allowed in terms of run defense, but they still do have their issues there. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's going to be another interesting matchup in terms of the Hyde and and Duke Johnson matchup in terms of how they can run against this Bills D because if they can run well, that's going to open things up for uh, Watson as well. So, yeah, Oliver's going to play a big role in that too in terms of his run defense.
4: Smokey Brown. The run game, the second-year quarterback who can run the ball and do some things. What else do I need to know, and what else do fans need to know about this Buffalo offense?
5: You know, you named a lot of it there. Obviously, John Brown is having an outstanding season. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of just thought he was a one-trick pony in terms of what he could do, but he has a he can run the full route tree and run it very, very well. That was, again, something at training camp that a a lot of the the beat guys were blown away with. It's like, man, this guy is just so polished in in every area. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's been great. More than just a deep threat, obviously, that intermediate area has actually been where Josh Allen has been his bread and butter this year. Very accurate in that regard, and that's where Brown's been utilized a lot. Obviously, Cole Beasley out of the slot. Uh, There are some weeks where it's a little frustrating because Beasley will will get – uh, only a handful of targets there's other weeks where he goes off for uh, over 100 yards or he's in that 70 80 yard range so he's another guy though that can be an asset for them and then obviously dawson knox uh rookie tight end um you know the measurables is what really jumped off the page when they drafted him he wasn't necessarily utilized much to, much at old miss as a, as a receiving option Flashes of brilliance there, but also a lot of frustration in terms of the drops. Uh, A lot of drop issues, probably among the top at the position in terms of drops. But if you watch that Patriots game in week uh, 16, he probably should have exited that game with three touchdowns. Now, mind you, he was tackled at the one-yard line on the deep ball right before halftime, so maybe that one shouldn't have been a touchdown, so to speak. But he got open, created a separation down the field. He had the first drive of the game he was open in the end zone Josh Allen was just a little bit off target the final drive of the game Knox was open in the end zone Allen just threw it a little bit out of his reach so he's a guy that can get open that can really uh flash in this offense but I do still think that this offense is one year away they don't have another weapon at wide receiver behind Brown and Beasley uh they've tried some different guys there obviously Andre Roberts he's a guy that's more of a return man though than anything else Robert Foster had a really disappointing season after uh, you know, coming on in the second half of his rookie year. And, and then you have a, a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, who they really like to utilize on the jet suites and things like that, but uh, not necessarily a big factor in the receiving
4: game. I'm going to give four names. We're going we're to veer off course here. Bobby the Brain Heenan, Slick, Mr. Fuji, and Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart. Who is Sean McDermott most like in terms of leadership?
5: Boy, <laughs> that is it. that's a tough one. Um, not, definitely not Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart's very loud, boisterous, and uh-huh. not Sean McDermott. And that would have been a Rex Ryan pick right there. <laughs> um, you know, in, in my interactions with him, uh, with other interactions I've seen, Maybe I'll go with the Bobby the Brain heen. And I, I think he is actually, you know, he's kind of quiet, but he's also very witty. Uh-huh. Uh that, That's one thing that I always loved about the brain. I think that that guy could have been a, a real-life comedian if he wanted to go that route in his career. Could have been many things, uh, yeah. Yeah, he could have done many things with his career. You're right. You know, that, that's a tough choice, though. Um, uh, Mr. Fuji may be a close second because he... he He's a guy that plots things out, but he doesn't do much talking. So maybe that would also be my answer. That's a, that's a tough question, though.
4: All right. On defense for the Bills, who is the ultimate
5: warrior? Ooh. Uh, you know, this one might surprise some people. I'm going to go with Matt Milano.
4: Okay, how come? Matt
5: Milano runs around like his hair is on fire at times on the field. Sometimes he's just everywhere. Every time there's a tackle to be made, there's a play to be made. Uh, Matt Milano's there now at the same regard. There's times where he's out of place. There's times where... Uh, he might get uh, lured in on a play-action pass, so he's still um, you know, far from a, a polished product. But in terms of that ultimate warrior being a little bit out of control, so to speak, running to the ring, shaking the ropes, I'm going to go with Matt Milano.
4: The hacksaw Jim Duggan of the Buffalo Bills offense is?
5: Frank Gore. Uh, <laughs> kind of, he's kind of built like a 2x4. He's hard to bring down. Now, Mind you, you're not going to see him much, I don't think, in this game. I do think that uh, the Patriots game, or I'm sorry, the Jets game was good for him in week 17 because he had really been struggling in terms of the yard per carry average. He didn't even get a snap against the Patriots in week 16, and he was averaging under two yards per carry in the previous three games before that. Uh, But he averaged over four yards per carry in the season finale. He still showed that between the tackles he can be utilized. But you're really going to see the Devin Singletary show in terms of, of the running back position for the Bills on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Singletary ended up averaging over five yards per carry as a rookie. Uh, one of those guys where he doesn't have the breakaway speed, that, um, that's maybe like the only thing that you wish you, he had. Mm-hmm. But he's the guy that will make you miss.
2: Uh, really close
5: proximity, it looks like he's going to go down for a loss, no gain at all. Somehow he avoids those, that first half there. Two turns the corner, gets a good six, seven yard gain. Those are frustrating
4: guys to handle, man. For a defense, those are those are those will kill you.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so you know the one thing is though he's had two games where he's had uh, multi fumble, you know, two fumbles per uh, in two games. So he has to protect the ball a little bit better. Same thing with Josh Allen when he runs with the ball. That's one of their their biggest weaknesses. So hopefully. Uh, it, it, you know, the offense can protect the football to really make this a, a close matchup on Saturday.
4: All right. We're going to close this with a little story time, and you're probably like rolling your eyes here. But way back when, about 15, 20 years ago, when I was a producer at a TV station, we had Hacksaw Jim Duggan on the air with us. And when I was setting it up, I was chit chatting with him, and I mentioned, hey, Hacksaw, I went to SMU, and he had played football for the SMU Mustangs in the late 70s. And as we all know, those guys got paid a little bit under the table, and they wound up having the death penalty 10 years later. But I mentioned that I went to SMU, and he said, oh, yeah, Mean Gene Okerlund he used to joke and say I'm the only guy that came into the WWF that took a, a pay cut. And I always thought that was a great little Hacksaw Jim Duggan story. So, anyways. That's
5: pretty awesome. You know, he was actually uh, in my in the town where I reside for a little wrestling show about uh, probably a year, year and a half ago. Yeah. Really nice guy. Yeah. Still doing a lot of the shows, still going out there doing autograph signings really down-to-earth guy
4: he's great man he's great and you're great too ryan really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some of your bills wisdom
5: yeah absolutely i'm looking forward to it
4: all right ryan talbot thank you so much for the time and we will talk to you again very soon that was really fun i know if my man sean pendergast is
1: listening he was absolutely loving the fact that drew doherty was talking some wrestling with Ryan Talbot of NYUUpstate.com. All right, we get back. It's been a pretty fun season for the Texans. 10-6, and 6, won the AFC South Division for the fourth time in five years, sixth time in nine years. And I always love listening to Mark make the call on the final play of the game. So I figured, you know what, on New Year's Eve, let's go back and celebrate 10 end-of-game final calls. Let's do that next right here at Texans All Access. Now, there's no question I am a little biased because I am a part of the Texans radio network on game days, but I think that our radio crew puts on one heck of a show, in particular our play-by-play man, Mark Vandermeer, who always at the end of each game gives a final call, and I thought, you know what, on New Year's Eve... When you're thinking about moving ahead to 2020, it's always good to take a little bit of a look back. Now, we'll take a full look back starting at 8 o'clock tonight as we do Texans replay, but that's going to be focused on the plays, the moments that actually happened. I want to take a look back at the final call of each of the wins and go back and think about what those wins meant for the Texans this year. And it would have been a tremendous week one a tremendous week one had the Texans been able to get a victory over the New Orleans Saints, but they did not, alas. It had to wait a week, but it was kind of nice when the Texans took home a 13-12 to win over a division opponent, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Here's what Mark had to say at the end
0: of this one. They'll snap it from the Jacksonville 48 48- Takes the snap, takes a knee. It is over. The Texans hang on to beat Jacksonville, 13 to 12, in a pressure AFC South game at NRG Stadium.
1: Man, it was a pressure cooker. Holy smokes! But then we went to LA the next week, looking for win number two, in a place. Well, the Texans had never won in LA, and won San Diego. They had not won in LA. The only time they ever played in L.A. was in 2017 against the Rams. They never won there, but that changed
0: in week three. Texans load up at their 19 victory formation. Watson takes the snap, takes a knee. It is over. The Texans beat the Chargers 27-20 and run their record to 2-1. Houston coming back from 10 down at the break on the road to beat Phillip Rivers and the Chargers.
1: That was a big win at the time, man. To go to 2-1, and one, to beat that team, to beat that quarterback. oh! And we rode that momentum all the way into a loss against the Panthers. Ugh. But the NFC South stayed on course for next week as the Falcons came into town. It was the Will Fuller show. An absolute show he put on. And this was the end of a 53-32 win over the Falcons.
0: Ryan just takes a knee with 20 seconds left. It's over. The Texans throttle Atlanta 53 to 32 to up their record to 3 and 2 and bounce back big time with Kansas City up next.
1: Oh, Kansas City was up next. And man, what an absolute gem of a ball game. I just an unbelievable football game and the Texans were able to put this one to bed. And there are times when I can hear it in Mark's voice when it matters even more. This one mattered even more.
0: Victory formation for the Houston Texans as Watson gets behind Nick Martin, takes the snap, takes a knee. It's over. The Texans beat Kansas City 31-24, to and they run their record to 4-2. and
1: Oh, man, did we need that one. That was nice because on the schedule next was Indianapolis in Indy, and it didn't go well. So then we came back here for a game against the Oakland Raiders, and it looked dicey for a while. And then in the fourth quarter, Deshaun, well, he did Deshaun things. The kick in the eye touchdown, you heard DP referred to it as such, Mark referred to it as such earlier. That put the Texans ahead. Then a Watson disfells first down throw, allowed the Texans to run out the clock. Win number five did not come easy. It was a hard-earned win, but it was a good one.
0: Third down and 12. Watson gets behind. Nick Martin takes a knee, and it is over. The Texans do the job on the Raiders 27-24. They bounce back from last week and beat Oakland to run their record to 5-3 and three at the halfway point. Texans 27, Raiders 24.
1: So week nine, we went to a place we've never been. I've never been. A lot of people have been there, but i would never been there. Texans had never been there in an official capacity. London to take on the Jags. And from play one through last play of the game, the one you'll hear here, the Texans dominated this game. It made this trip about as memorable as it could have been. I will remember that trip for the rest of my life. It was a tremendous weekend going to London, capped off by win number six right before the bye.
0: Clock down to one. Minshew just gets the snap in time. Stepping up, Minshew out to the left side. Minshew, the ball is out, and it's picked up by Cole. Cole's on the move across the 40. Cole, 45, and he's down at the 47-yard line, and the game is over. The Texans beat Jacksonville at Webley Stadium in front of 90,000, 26-3, the final. The Texans run their record to 6-3, heading into the bye.
1: After the bye, well, it was a tough weekend in Baltimore that moved them to 6-4. and four. But on a Thursday night, the Indianapolis Colts came calling. The division on the line, a massive football game, and Deshaun Watson found DeAndre Hopkins twice. That was the difference. Brent Scarlett made a key play, and it was over. The Texans took home win number seven.
0: Deshaun awaits the snap on fourth down. Takes the snap, drops back deep, fires it deep to the end zone, and the clock runs out. It is over. The Texans pull it off. They beat Indianapolis 20-17 to retake first place in the AFC South. Houston knocks off the Colts. They split the season series, and they are 7-4, a game in front of Indy with the Patriots up next.
1: Oh, yeah, the Patriots are up next. And if you were in that building on that Sunday night, you know what that win meant. That was an incredible win against the New England Patriots. Now, Mark and I have talked about getting that win up there and what that would mean up there. Didn't matter. To just beat them in our building, that was a special night.
0: Watson approaches the line of scrimmage. 17 seconds on the clock. Takes a knee. It is over. The Texans take down Goliath. They beat the Patriots. For only the second time in franchise history, 28-22. And for the first time in 10 years, Houston wins, defeating the defending Super Bowl champions. And the Texans raise their record to 8-4. and four.
1: After a mysterious sort of game against the Denver Broncos, the Tennessee Titans and Texans were tied at 8-5, and five, getting ready for a matchup in Nashville. And the Texans would be ahead 24 to 21. And this final call included the final play.
0: First down, Titans from their 12-yard line, 17 seconds to go. Texans up three. Here's the snap to Tannehill. In the pocket. There's a big rush. And a sack back at the four-yard line. Charles Amenahou brings down Tannehill. Four seconds left. Three seconds. One second. Tannehill spikes it. The game is over. Tannehill couldn't get the spike down in time and Houston prevails 24 21 taking over sole possession of first place in the AFC South
1: and the 10th win clinched the division
0: final play right here Winston takes the snap with two seconds left he steps up he throws to the left sideline it's dropped the game is over the Texans are the AFC South champions again they knock off Tampa Bay, twenty-three to twenty, and raise their record to ten and five. Houston, champions of the AFC South.
1: How about that? And what did it get you? It got you a playoff meeting with the Buffalo Bills on Saturday. And the in the lab crew, Drew Doherty and myself, will talk about that next, right here in Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this New Year's Eve edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, and so glad to bring it to you, and it's time to go in the lab with two of the bigger football dorks you're going to find in this building, myself being A-number-one and my partner Drew Doherty,
4: and we have got plenty on the table of contents for in the lab. We're going to go down memory lane. And we're not going back to 1993, okay, Okay, you weirdos, you sickos. We're just going back a year. Uh, Then we're going to have our key Texan to watch against the Bills. Okay. And then we're going to have our key Bill to watch against the Texans. And we're not talking about Bill O'Brien. We're talking about the Buffalo Bills. All right, let's go down memory lane. Uh, You and I are both Houstonians. You and I were both born in the 70s. You and I... Both know about the Houston Oilers, and we're not talking about the Oilers because the Oilers are in Tennessee. Yeah, they're the Titans now. They have nothing to do with this team. Let's just go back a year, John. Middle of the season, give or take a week, Buffalo Bills come to town. Texans had played in a pair of overtime games in the previous two weeks and won both of them. Yep. So they'd moved to 2-3, and and here comes Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Got a rookie quarterback. So normally... An older defense, an experienced defense with a good coordinator. Right. With Watt on one side, Clowney on the other, wreaking havoc. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Seemingly. It was not that case. It was a tight game. So DeAndre Hopkins gets a touchdown catch early. Tredavious White does a nice job with him. You know, it was one of those battles where one guy won some 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 battles, or one, one guy won some fights and the other guy won some fights. It was a good matchup. What I take from it is two things. Deshaun Watson just getting battered that day. Mm-hmm. 7 sacks, hit about a dozen times and the result of it is he's got to take a bus to Jacksonville a few few days later, 5 days later. Yeah. Because his lungs were messed up and couldn't couldn't fly and he wound up winning that game. But you got that thing, the battering that he took and just a nasty, nasty Bills defense, which you and I have talked about over the last year as, mm-hmm. at least for me, and I think you kind of agree, but that's the that's the nastiest defense I've seen this team face the last two years. Yep. Agreed. Um, and then the other thing was I was standing in the tunnel right outside the cafeteria, right by our, our stairs, mm-hmm. watching the end of that game, and I was standing with Director of Ticketing John Shriver and Blaine Foreman, who works on LSSE. Because that's where we'd sort of gather, because uh, whenever we'd get there, when the Texans were in a tight game, they'd usually wind up winning, and Kymie Fairbairn ties it up 13-13, and then they come out on the field, and Nathan Peterman, in place of Josh Allen, <laughs> throws happens. a pick six, <laughs> and I just go bananas. It was, it was one of the most fun, most memorable games, and I know it's not going to go down in Texans lore as one of the most yeah. memorable games, but for me... It was just such a satisfying game to see, and it happened right in my corner, yeah, right into me. I loved it. I was living it up, and the Texans got to five hundred, never looked back, John. Well,
1: it's interesting. You, know, you talk about Deshaun in that game. You know, the battering for Deshaun really had begun. Yeah, yeah, it had started before mm-hmm, before he Dallas, to Dallas yeah. and I mean, it was really bad. It was to a point where in that game, we didn't know whether Deshaun was going to play against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I you know, talking to various people, I'd sort of resigned myself to the fact that I think we're going to see. I guess it would have been Brand Whedon. Would we have seen Weedon, I guess, last year. I was, I've kind of resigned myself to that fact that that Weed was going to get in the game. We're going to see him against Buffalo, and okay, whatever happens, happens. But they got a rookie quarterbacks; so will be all right. And then Sean came out, and he must have had about eight layers of padding. And you know, it's funny when when I did my draft analysis of Deshaun you know the one the one thing that I said at the very end was the way that I sort of determined and kind of look at you know you look at all the different pieces of a quarterback but then you look at one final piece and to me and that is if I'm down at the end of a game and I need the ball in the hands of one guy who do I want it and in that 2017 class you had Mahomes, you had Trubisky of course and you had Deshaun I just said, I want the ball in four's hands. That's what I, I want. And that was kind of the final coup de gras. And I feel like I wrote a good draft report on him and feel like now three years in, I'm pretty, pretty accurate about what I said about him. The one thing I missed, though, and I think a lot of people miss this because Deshaun did have such excellent college years, was the fact that he's as tough as a $2 steak, man. Yeah. He is a tough, tough guy. And he's been through the ringer in his life, and he's bounced back with adversity. You know, obviously – um, you know, dealing with what his mom dealt with when he was in high school—his mom with the uh, tongue cancer—and and just what he had to do to kind of carry that house. Yeah, all that stuff. He kind of looks that. at the, the
4: hits on the field is not as yeah, it doesn't look good, not as, as lethal, much. you know.
1: But in that Buffalo game, that's really when the toughness sort of came to the forefront because they sacked him seven times, and he had that big old pad on his on it underneath his his like on his rib cage or underneath his armpit and. I don't even know how he was able to throw the ball that day. But when the Texans went down 13-10, Peterman, come, Peterman came in a game and threw a touchdown to Zay Jones to put the Bills ahead. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. We haven't moved the ball day. I just kind of thought we would, we would kind of bleed them until they were dry in some sense that, they're okay, they're not going to score Petermans in the game. We'll win this thing 10-7. We'll just get out of here with this thing. Then Peterman throws a touchdown to Zay Jones and, like, oh, how are we going to move the ball? And then all of a sudden, we went from not doing anything really all day offensively since the first half. All of a sudden, it was like zip, 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 zip bomb to Will Fuller. That he gets tackled on. And he gets tackled on. So it's pass interference. Take so the ball at the one, like, we're going to win this game. We're going to yeah. punch this thing in. But then if you remember our inside the five woes continued for yeah. the week before we couldn't well, score
4: inside the five against Dallas. And you're going against this defense. Like and, this defense was so nasty. Yeah. And is still.
1: And so you got to set up for a field goal and now I'm sitting there thinking, it's thirteen thirteen or like two minutes left. I'm like, we're going overtime for the third week in a row. Yeah. Third week in a row. And then J. Joe made that pick and obviously the rest is history. But that that team that Buffalo team didn't forget that. The 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 good news for Deshaun, in some sense, is he saw a lot of what he's going to see on on Saturday. He saw a lot of that. Now, there's going to be a little bit different now. have got to
4: sprinkle in a little bit, Oliver.
1: That's gonna that's gonna change things a little bit. But the size up front with Starlo Tule and Jordan Phillips, those guys you you remember from last year. Now you're you're bringing a whole different offensive line to the party, so that's going to help a little bit. You know, you've got a different group of running backs. That's going to help a little bit. Yep. Um, you know, you don't know the health of of your tight uh, ends are better. Your tight ends are better. I think you've, you've mastered a few things with what you do with Fells, And then I think Akins needs to play a role in this game. I mean, the other day against Tennessee, you know, he got a lot of targets. But he needs to play a role in this game. Um, I think he is a guy that can be a matchup problem for the, for the Bills in some sense if they want to cover him with a little bit smaller safety or a little bit slower linebacker. So I think gotta be, he's got to be a part of this in some way, shape, or form. The, the tight ends are going to have to play a role.
4: It's fun. Timeout. This year's tight ends—they're really fun to watch for a variety of reasons, and one of them is you better tackle them with like four guys. Oh yeah, there's no. I question. mean, and it goes no across doubt. the board. It's not just Fells. It's not just Aikens. Not. Just, I mean, it's all, all of three of those guys. It's all. Of them. You better come with a, a multiple with multiple tacklers yeah. to get them down, and that's really cool to see.
1: Yeah. So you are bringing a little bit different to the party on the offensive side, and obviously, that Oliver changes some of the things that they can do right. on the defensive side. But it's going to be pretty similar to, to the things they saw, and hopefully, you don't have Deshaun with seven layers of padding on his on his rib cage or or armpit or whatever it was. So, you know that's that's going to help. But uh, it was a game last year. I know the Buffalo, the 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 Buffalo faithful, the media, and some of the people that that we know up there. You have a good friend up there. I've you know my buddy Sal Capaccio is a Southern reporter. We've got to know each other and been friendly over the last you know three four years and they that loss hit them hard that loss hit them hard because that was a young team Mm -hmm. on the road got to find a way to win and then Nathan Peterman happened again for them and that was something that had been kind of a theme for the for a couple of years like or during that year like Peterman and even before that you know Peterman you know they wanted to start Peterman one year and in Los Angeles and he had like five turnovers on the first 10 throws or something like that and so they had gone through that, and then they had to go back to him, and then he cost them another game. And so their their psyche was down a little bit. But Sean McDermott never let them wallow in it. They didn't get to the playoffs last year. They draft Oliver at number nine, and they got back on the horse. And they, not to take anything away from what Buffalo's done, but they won the games they should have won this year. Yeah. They don't do anything real sexy. But they just beat you they just bludgeon you defensively. And, you know, they're not the 85 Bears. Okay, They're not the 85 Bears. Yeah. Nobody is. But they're good, man. But they're good. They're really good. They're they don't really give up good.
4: points. They don't give up yards. They're very disciplined. And it's,
1: it's so funny. I was driving in this morning, Drew, and I was thinking about this game. And I was listening to uh, Sean and Seth. And they played a clip of what Bill O'Brien said about the Bills. And it's so funny because I had heard the beginning of the clip. I hadn't heard the whole thing. And I was watching them yesterday, and one of the things that I noticed in yesterday was how well they communicate. Like, when you watch some of the defenses the Texans have played this year, it looks like Keystone Cops back in the back. Like, guys don't even know. They're, they're yelling at each other, like, clap, like, what are we doing? How are we doing? You watch the Bills. Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds gives a signal to his front. He turns and he signals the safeties. He turns back around to play. The safeties signal each other, bang, bang. They signal the corners. Corners, thumbs up. We got it. And they go, They communicate as well as any team I've seen. It's amazing how well they communicate. I'm listening to Sean and Seth play a clip, and I'm listening to Coach O'Brien say, and he's talking about the defense, and he mentions that. He says how well they communicate. So it is something that stands out, how well they're able to communicate, which means they don't bust coverage a lot. They don't bust a front. They don't make a lot of busts. You're not going to get guys. Do pretty well when you do open. that.
4: You've got above average players. You know, right?
1: And and when you're on the same page at all times, you got an opportunity with NFL talent to be a really good defense. Yeah. And they've got above average NFL talent, and they've got an above average head coach, a well above average head coach, and a well above average defensive coordinator. You're going to have a really good defense. This is going to be one heck of a challenge for that offense.
4: Many many Texans you could choose. To watch in this one, you go with the obvious one: Deshaun Watson. Does he bounce mm-hmm. back after having a pretty bad playoff performance, like the rest of the team last year? You could go with Will Fuller if he's active. Does he change the dimensions of things? Those are good ones. JJ Watson, obvious one. If he comes back, how's he look? I'm going to go with this one though. A guy who leads this team in postseason sacks mm-hmm. all time. It's Whitney Merciless. Yep. Because what I think happens is JJ Watt comes back. And that gives Whitney and the rest of the defensive line a little bit of breathing room. And when Whitney has a little bit of breathing room, both in the regular season and in the postseason especially, he's done things. Yep. He's done really well. And so I think Whitney's going to add to that sack total. And hopefully he, he adds in a strip sack or, or you know forces a fumble or two more. Um, and I think Whitney's going to be, be important in this one because you want to mess with the young quarterback. You want to yep. make him make mistakes. He's been good about not making too many of them. Not interceptions,
1: but fumbles, yes.
4: That's right. And he, he runs quite a bit. I mean, nine touchdown runs, that's more than what Deshaun has. And Deshaun yeah. had seven. So let's kind of do what you did with Gardner Minshew. It's a different beast, obviously. Different, much different quarterback. But right. what you did with him in London, you kept him in the pocket, made him make mistakes, and you dropped him a few times. And at the end, it sort of cascaded and got away from him. So I want Whitney Merciless to be my Texan to watch, to make some mis- make. The Bills make some mistakes and maybe feast with a little bit of attention coming from we, or J.J. Watt.
1: Throughout the year, my my guy, and because you picked Whitney, I'm just going to give a little bit of lip service to Zach Cunningham right off the bat, but he's not going to be my guy just because you picked a defensive guy, so I'm picking an offensive guy.
4: But Zach Cunningham, when we do extra points, he's been somebody's pick uh, yeah, exactly. out of the three of them every, every single week this well, year.
1: Well, because – are you facing a running team? Okay, well, Zach's important. Are you facing a quarterback that's mobile? Uh, well, Zach's got to be able to track that guy. Are you facing some tight ends that can get open? Uh-huh. Okay, Zach's got to cover those tight ends. Are you facing some running backs that are lethal out of the backfield in the receiving game? Okay, Zach's got to handle all, all of that. And he, and not only does he have to, but he's he's exceptional in doing so. So I'm going to give a little lip service to, to Zach on that because right. he absolutely deserves it. But my guy is is going to turn it to guys, and we kind of talked about them a little bit earlier, uh, and that's the tight ends, Darren Fells, Jordan Aikens, and Jordan Thomas, uh, mainly Fells. You know, Fells got the Sunday off, and it was funny. I was talking to uh, one of the Texans personnel guys. I can't remember if I was talking, I may have been talking to Baz, and I said Baz, uh, Matt Baskin, who I believe director of player personnel, is his actual title. And so Baz and I were talking about the season and stuff. We were getting ready for the watch the bowl game and I said Baz in your heart of hearts can you honestly tell me that you expected to get what you got this year from Darren Fells he's like oh no he goes there's nobody he's like not even Fells included yeah expected expected this and he's been he's been phenomenal i mean his numbers have been great he's gotten in the end zone he's blocked extremely well and i felt like with Akins and Thomas and you have Waring that you know Fells i knew the first day I, I knew the first week of OTAs, like Fells will be here. Like you could just see it. Then when sure. they put the pads on training camp, I knew like okay, Fells is gonna be here. But by that point he had already created this synergy with Deshaun and throwing the football. But I think Fells ends up being a big factor because I think the Bills are gonna adhere to the philosophy of we're gonna take away, we're gonna we're gonna do the bell check thing. We're gonna take away your number one guy, that's mm-hmm. Hopkins. We're gonna take him away, whether it's with Tradavius White it's white with help we're gonna take him away well I was gonna
4: say would it be two guys other than Tre'Davious white and then let him get on somebody else
1: when we played him last time white was on hop and traveled with hop the whole game he kind of gave him some fits so yeah so touchdown aside that's I would imagine that's what they'll go back to but I don't know that you can have a a distinct this is the philosophy I think it's got to be a mix of things okay here are three different things we do white double him Dublin with White, like one of those three. So you have those options. So that, to me, makes Fells that much more important yeah. because he's going to be able to find matchups that he likes. And then, to your point, catch the football and get up the field and run the ball.
4: Okay. Lightning round. Uh, we've, we've done our Texan to watch, but lightning round, Buffalo, Bill to watch. Mine is Tradavius White because of what you just yeah. mentioned. Who's he match up with? It's probably like you said, Hopkins, but they might do the other shenanigans where he he goes on Fuller or Stills mm-hmm. and lets. Two, but it's probably gonna be Hopkins after, based on what he did. Right. So I want to see what he did, also because I I just wrote the uh, I tweeted out Bill O'Brien saying he's one Tredavious White is one of the best corners we'll see all season yeah and somebody from the bills mafia answered me he's like this the "Best corner you'll see all season so it's like that's okay, exactly right. how bills mafia yeah it's like easy okay, guy i mean Jalen we've ramsey has Jalen something ramsey, to say we've yeah we've
1: seen stefan gilmore we've they're seen they're pretty good the too guys. yeah um since you picked the defensive guy i'll go with the offensive guy and i'm gonna say john smoke brown he is well, we
4: remember him from phoenix he can fly we remember him from the preseason don't yeah
1: we? he he can absolutely <laughs> fly And that ends up being an issue because the Patriots tried to double him and he ran by both of them. He spun Stephon Gilmore around like a top. He ran past Devin McCourty. You'll see it on Texas Illustrator. I did that play because it just shows where the danger in this Bills offense is. I don't think it's a – it's not a top 10 offense, not even a top 15 offense. I don't even care what the stats say. It's not that. But, but if you get lazy and you get kind of sucked in, pal – here comes John Brown flying by you mm-hmm. and hurting you, and that has added everything to the Bills' offense. That's really given them th- the opportunity to put the point, put points on the board. If you don't have, if they don't have John Brown, it's like they'll dink and dunk and they'll maybe score thirteen points. John Brown is the opportunity to fly by you and get up, get a cheap seven. And their defense can get seven. All of a sudden, they've got seventeen up on the board because they had one of their drive for a field goal. Can you get seventeen up on the board against that defense? So defensively, you can have Tre'Davious White. Um, offensively, John Smoke Brown, those are two guys that are absolutely going to have an impact on this game in a big way. Cannot wait. Saturday cannot get here soon enough. Got a lot of people to thank for tonight's show. Drew, Mark, Deepy, Ryan Talbot, all of you for listening. Thank you so much. Happy New Year, everybody. Enjoy the night. Be safe. We'll see you next time. And as always, go text.